welcome you to First Baptist. And if you'll look in the worship guide, there are just two main announcements for you. Uh, <laughs> if you look at it, first of all, there's a leadership training tonight. Someone asked me if you had to be a teacher to take part in that. The answer is no. If you're interested, you can come and be a part of that. The information's there. And then also, our WMU is doing a Christmas backpack ministry, and we all need to be involved in that. So let me encourage you to do that. You can see the different ways that you can be involved in that part of ministry. So we're glad you're here. Why don't you stand up and move around and greet some folks? We're glad you're here today. You can be seated. We're going to do our call to worship a little different today. We're going to let the first grade help us today. I want to ask all the first graders, how about coming sitting up here with me or stand by me real quick. You can come right here. Here's my neighbor. Yeah. We want every year to present them a Bible and we want to give it to them. They're going into first grade. They've already been there a couple of weeks. You like school? You do? You like school? You like school? You working hard? You ever talk in class? No, you don't do that. Well, we want to give you this Bible and let you know. Turn around and look at me real quick. We want you to know this, that this Bible is God's Word, okay? And God's got things to say to you. And as you grow and learn to read and learn, I know you already can read, but as you learn to read more and more, keep in this, okay? Because this is what gives you the secret to life. And it shows you how to not only live this life, but also to go to heaven. So we want to pray for you. Can I do that? And we're going to pray and then ask God to bless you and bless our first graders. And um, we have presented one in the first service as well. So y'all come here. Let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you so much for these first graders as they are growing and growing up. And I just pray that you would bless them in this new adventure. I thank you for these Bibles, and I ask God that you would help them understand your word and live by it. Bless them. Bless their parents, their grandparents, and those family members who are here. Bless Chris and his ministry, and I pray that you would help us to be a help to him as we help him make disciples of children. Bless them, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proud of y'all. Let's show our appreciation to our first graders. All right. You can go with kiss, okay? How'd you like to be in first grade again? <laughs> Woo! I'd like to go back and know what I know now, you know. As, um, anyway, be in prayer for them. And I want to remind you that um, if we're going to have the children's ministry that we want to have in our church, that means all of us have to partner with Chris. He can't do it alone. And so let's keep helping him. We're going to go straight to our scripture reading, and I think Joe Bob has got that, and then we'll continue to worship. We're glad you're here today. Joe Bob, come on. Chapter 2, and I will begin reading at verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were trapped, wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought, me up, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came up to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joe Bob. Let's continue to worship through music. You know, Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our sins, but we are now alive in Christ. And what Joe Bob just read, that he saved our lives from the pit. And so we want to sing about that. Let's stand. Let's worship. Let's celebrate that day that God called us from death to life.
our deliverer. together and let's go to our father in that name the powerful name of Jesus it's the only way we can come to him he's opened the door for us to come into his presence but we must come through our high priest Jesus and so I just want you if you would just spend a few moments praising him thanking him asking him whatever it is that's on your heart right now you know what's going on in your life Would you lift it to our Father in the powerful name of Jesus? Father, we come before you 
We thank you for the name of Jesus. It's through that name that we can come into your presence. We thank you because of the work of Christ that even as David said a thousand years before Christ, he said, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that is true of all of us if we're in you. We will look upon you, your goodness. We will see your face in the land of the living. But God, we want to experience your presence in this room today. We want revival in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would help us today as we come to your word. Once again, James gives us a tough topic. And as we think about the power of the tongue and the words we say and how we treat one another and how we forgive and seek forgiveness, all these things come under the cross. And so, Jesus, we come before you, the all-powerful one, the one who rose from the dead. And we ask that you, through your spirit, would speak to us today. And help us to grow with you. You know the needs we have. You know everyone. And so we lift them to you. And ask that you would be magnified. Help us today, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I forgot. Um, I remembered it in the first service and forgot in the second service. But um, this past Thursday or Friday was Chris and Melanie DeWall's eight-year anniversary here. Um, Melanie's been here much longer than that. She grew up here. She was on the committee that called me, um, on the search committee that called me as pastor. But I want to make sure you just get a chance when you see the DeWalls, thank them for what they do. And Chris, he's, he's out ministering right now with our children. Um, just thank him for all that he does. And, and I, I don't know how much you know, but... There were, I don't know how many times in a day that I walked by um, Chris's office and his head is bowed in prayer and he's in his word reading and praying over you as families and over our children. He loves you and he loves the children of our church. And so I just want to encourage you again as I started, let's help him do the ministry that, that needs to take place here at First Baptist. But Melanie, welcome. Thank you so much for coming back home. And, um, and let's just show our appreciation to the Dwalls, even though Chris is not here right now. Um, Melanie can tell him. Amen. Thank you. And I'll remind you, Chris was in Mark Walker's student ministry. Remind, he was a student in Mark Walker's student ministry. And now Chris's daughter is in Mark Walker's student ministry. <laughs> Mark is a grandfather in student ministry. And he, I, was, I don't even see him. I, I, I get to make fun of him and he's not even here right now. He probably forgot the way. So um, just... <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, if I was student ministry that long, I wouldn't even know my name anymore. So, um, James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Before you stand, I just want to remind you of two things that you're going to hear a couple more times. Everything we're about to read in these two verses comes out of verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It comes out of verse 10. 
Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So remember that this is coming and reminding us to not be proud, but to be humble before God and before others. And so with that in mind, if you can stand in honor of the reading and the preaching of God's word. James chapter four, verse 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. I am. I was thinking, as I was thinking about this text, and, and over the years, um, I'm, I'm trying to grow in my use of social media. If you notice on the social media pages that I have, you're pretty much going to see pictures of my grandsons, embarrassing pictures of my daughters. Um, I take a picture of the family. If I take the picture, I just post it. And they said, Dad, do you not even look at it before you post it? I said, no, I don't have my glasses. I just post it. And so I, I have fun with that because one of out of four is always going to fuss about the picture. But I try to post pictures of my grandchildren, pictures of my children. I try to post um, scripture verses and great quotes from books that I read. And I try to post on a weekly basis, Wednesdays and Sundays, invitations to come and be a part of our church. What I've learned, it took me a while to learn it, is you're not going to change anybody's mind on Facebook. So as we start a new political season, and as we start a new sports football season in this crazy state that we live in, you're not going to change anybody's mind about football, okay? You're not going to do it. And I wish Pell City would relax and I wish the rest of our city would relax and our state would relax just a little bit when it comes to social media. It took me a while to learn that. And some of you know that, that I'm working on sarcasm and Kim can tell you I'm still not there, but I'm trying and sarcasm used to get me in a lot of trouble on Facebook. Years ago, I was posting something. It was, it was political. It was, it was not in the last six or seven years, but before that, I posted something political and people got on it. We were going back and forth and there was just one lady. I didn't even know who she was. So it takes you way back. I didn't realize that she lived across from the other side of my neighborhood and that KJ went to see her all the time with her friend. But she's gone and she's, she's in heaven now so I can tell this story. But, but um. It finally, because she, I think it was one of those where she posted her and her husband's names. I didn't know who she was. And all she ever posted on any of my posts was, judge not lest you be judged. Judge not lest you be judged. And I finally had it up to here with judge not lest you be judged. And I put, is that the only verse you know? <laughs> well, then Kim came, John, you know who that is. But it was too late. I'd already gone into a long diatribe about what that verse means. It is true in Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. That's, that's the way I, I grew up memorizing. Judge not that you, that you be not judged. But what's interesting about that verse is that Jesus followed that verse up with this. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. 
And with the measure you use, it would be measured to you. So he tells us, be real careful on how you judge people. But he goes on to talk about seeing the speck in somebody else's eye and trying to get the speck out of their eye while you've got a log in yours. It's a great picture that Jesus gives for us. I mean, it's just, I look down and, and I see Jimmy Butler and he's got a speck in his eye and I got a two by four in mine. And what Jesus says, though, is, is interesting. He says, you hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clear to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I want you to see that. Jesus doesn't say, don't deal with the speck. He says, but deal with your log first. Jesus never tells us not to make judgments Jesus never tells us not to do that. But he does tell us this very clearly here and in James. Jesus tells us to never be so consumed with someone else's sin that you neglect to look at your own. And that's what happens when you have a speck in a two by four. You get so consumed with their speck that you ignore your own sin. There are times for right judgments. There are times to confront sin. There are times to speak the truth. But hear me, never in a judgmental way. Now at the end, I'm gonna tell you what it means to be judgmental, but, but understand this, never in a judgmental way. James does not leave the idea of verse six. I said this at the beginning, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's going to continue that all the way through chapter 5, verse 6. And so we're going to see it for at least two more weeks as we walk through this. He's showing us how to live under the grace of God through humility and not to be under the opposition of God through pride. And as he walks us through that, he tells us to be humble before him. Now, let's be honest, this passage and all of James hits us, doesn't it? It hits us where we live because we tend to spread rumors. I mean, I read it on Facebook. It's got to be true, right? You know that not everything you see on Facebook, TikTok, or Instagram is true. You know that, right? Can you please say yes? Thank you. If you don't know that, please research it. But don't do it in some crazy web page that gives you other false things. Um, we tend to spread rumors. I got to stick to my notes, so I'm going to do it. We've got to... We tend to assume the worst of everyone. We tend to expose other people as quickly as we can. And we tend to leave nothing unsaid. And here's the thing. We in the church can even use truth to injure other people. We can even use truth. And so what I want you to see is that that our tendency towards judgmentalism will show three things about our life. It points to three different views in our life. And I want you to see the first is our view of the body of Christ. The way we treat others and the way we speak to others points to our view of the body of Christ. Look at verse 11, the first part. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, sisters, 
The one who speaks against his brother or sister or judges his brother or sister. Notice, stop. Do you notice that? Three times he says brother. Three times. The idea is when he says do not speak evil against your brother, the idea here is, is that, that, that you will not speak down to your brothers. I, I've told you before, one of the greatest problems I had as a father and when pride reared its ugly head in my life is when I felt like I wasn't being respected. And it still comes out in my life. When I feel like I'm not being respected, it, it's just this prideful thing that rears up. And I think one of the things that we hate is, any of us, we hate to be spoken down to, don't we? We hate it when someone speaks down to us. But understand this, when we're being told not to speak down, what James is saying is what you say might be true, but it might not need to be said. What you're saying might be false, and it definitely shouldn't be said. So it might be true, but you may not need to say it just because it's true. And it might be false, and you definitely shouldn't say it if it's false. And so when you look at this, you, you have to understand that what James is telling us is, is that we don't have to spread lies to violate this passage. You could be talking to someone and speak truth to them about someone else. We do it. Hey, um, I don't know if you heard about Earl, but we need to pray for him. And Baptist, oh, tell me. And then we go through all the gossip and all the slander, and then we close it by saying, let's pray for Earl. Oh, I will. Now, we don't stop and pray for Earl. We just say, oh, okay. And then I go to Jimmy. I say, Jimmy, we need to be praying for Earl. And we do it in the name of prayer, but it's gossip and slander. And so we have to be real careful that what we say, that we don't violate this passage. And here's the thing. Why is it so important? William Barclay, I've quoted him a few times. He's got a set of old commentaries. And what I would tell you, they're really good on word studies, but terrible, terrible on some other theology. So I'm not suggesting you buy them. But I'm telling you, this is what he said. He said, few sins, few sins are as condemned as thoroughly in the Bible as gossip, slander, and evil speech. Few sins are as condemned as thoroughly in the Bible as gossip, slander, and evil speech. He said, in Romans, Paul classifies slanderers as haters of God. And then he said this, and I'll, just, I'll be done with Barclay. You can search the Bible from cover to cover and not find one good word spoken about gossip, evil speech, critical comments, backbiting, and ugly talk. Not one good word. That ought to make a step back. Not one good word. And here's the thing. If we love God, we keep God's commandments. God speaks to us and deals with us. John Owen said that the Father deals with us through his love. And the way that we show him our love is that we, that we try to obey him out of, out of loving him, not out of just having to do it, but we love and we want to please him. But God deals with us through his love. And, and so we keep his commandments. And one of the ways that, that we keep God's commandments is, is how we address him. The Bible says in 1 to 10, do not use the name of your Lord, the Lord God, in vain. 
So we know that we don't use God's name in vain and, 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 and we're careful, at least we should be. And understand that's not just one little word that, that starts with God. It could be any way that you could take God's name in vain. And so we, we, we address God and, and, and try to address him according to his word. But what James is saying is that if we love God, then we will also love people. And if we love people, then we will address them as God has commanded us as well. I will address God if I love him as I should. Therefore, if I love God, I'll love his people. And if I love his people, even my enemies, Jesus said, if I love his people, then I will also address them as I should. Remember, what we do and what we say to others, we do and say to Christ. To the extent you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me, Jesus said. So if I tear down someone, if I just rip into someone, if I, if I speak down to them or I speak down about them or I gossip or I slander, there is a sense, a real sense that I'm also doing that to Christ. And so the way we treat one another, church, on social media, and the way we treat one another face-to-face, social media has made us so bold, we'll say almost anything behind the screen. But the way we treat one another in the church is a testimony to our view of the body of Christ because we're treating the body of Christ that way. We're treating the body of Christ that way. But it also shows, as James says, our view of God's law. That's the second thing. It shows us our view of the body of Christ in the first part of verse 11. It shows us our view of God's law in the second part of verse 11. Look at what he says. The one who speaks against a brother or judges a brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Remember what he said earlier? Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And now he's saying, if you're setting yourself as a judge over the law, you're a judge of the law. To disregard the law is to set yourself as above the law. So God has given us his law. He's given us his word. And if he tells us what we should do or tells us what we shouldn't do, tells us what we should say or tells us what we shouldn't say, and if we say, well, I know that, but I'm going to do it anyway, I'm setting myself above God's law. I'm making myself as the judge. And he says later, there's only one judge lawgiver. There's only one judge. And I think what James is doing is reminding us of what he said back in chapter 2. Back in chapter 2 and verse 8, he talked about the royal law. And he said, here it is, that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Look at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. We looked at that passage. Jesus summed up the law and loving God and loving people. And then we come back to it. He says in verse 10, remember, whoever keeps the whole law but, but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. I knew a, a lot of good, quote, sanctified Baptist women growing up who never drank, never smoked, never went with a girl. I didn't drink, I didn't chew, I didn't go with the girls. Honest, they didn't do any of that stuff. They didn't dance. They didn't listen to rock and roll music. They did all that stuff. But they would gossip and slander and tear down. And you know what James is saying? 
If you keep all of that other, but you're doing this over here, you're guilty of breaking the law, the whole law. So he says, when we speak down to our brother or our sister, we're ignoring God's word. And when we act as if God's word's not important when he tells us to love our brothers and our sisters, then we're judging our brothers and sisters. And when we judge our brothers and sisters, we're judging the law of God. Now I've given you a lot of information. Let's just stop for a second and ask ourselves, what would make me speak down to someone? Pride, and that's what he's been going against. But what causes us to speak down to someone? Why do we speak evil? Why do we slander? Why do we judge someone? It goes back to chapter four, verse one. It's the passions that are within us. It goes back to chapter three, verse 14. It's bitter jealousy and and selfish ambition. We, we don't rejoice with those who rejoice, and, and we don't weep with those who weep. When we live like this, we rejoice when they weep, and we weep when they rejoice because we think that what they have is what we deserve. And because we think we deserve that, oh, Bailey doesn't deserve that, I should get that. If that's the way we're thinking, then we will never speak well of them. We'll speak down to them and down of them. We must, we must as I said last week, and I quoted from Ray Pritchard, we must go low. We have to place ourselves under God and under the authority of God's word. And we've got to learn to allow the tongue. And I was telling Kim last night, I pray constantly that God would set a guard over my mouth, over my eyes, over my ears, over my mind, over my heart. I'm constantly praying this. Why? Because because I want chapter 3 to be true. I want him to bridle my tongue. Some of you think you got a long way to go and you don't know how far I've come. Constantly asking God to bridle the tongue. Constantly asking God to use my speech as a rudder on a ship, as he says. Constantly asking God to to let the tongue be a source of burning fire for his glory and not for self. This is something we all have to work on. But James doesn't stop. Look at verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He was able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? There's only one lawgiver. We just said that. There's, the problem is when we disregard God's law, we, we show our view of God's body, the body of Christ. We show our view of God's law, but we also show our view of God himself. When I disregard the word of God, I'm showing my low view of God. And I'm demonstrating a low view of God to the world. Ray, Ray Pritchard said this, we, we usurp God's authority. We try to place ourselves over him. We, here's the problem with judging. We just don't know what we need to know to judge others. You look at somebody else's life, you see something that's taking place. It may be, it may be that you've got this classmate or student in your class and, and they act out all the time and, and you think that's just that's terrible. They, and you make all these judgments about them, but, but you don't know that they're being abused at night. You make judgments about people who the way they raise their parents, raise their children, you say they need to do a better job, but you don't know that that's the only thing they know. 
And it's other ways of looking at people and we, we make these judgments, but we don't know. We don't know the backstory. We don't know what caused them and what caused that environment and what led them to that place. I know that we make sinful choices and, and ultimately it's based on our decisions. I realize that, but, but we don't know enough of the story to make the judgment. And so what we have to do is, yes, we can judge fruit. We can judge fruit. You walk into the grocery store of your choice, okay? You can judge fruit. I hope you can. For me, I'm not going to buy bananas that have a bunch of black on them already. I don't want rotten bananas. I, I don't want them green either. I want them just right. And so we buy them that way because we're judging the fruit. Well, there's fruit that ought to be in a Christian's life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things ought to be in our life. And if you're, if you're going to class with someone or working with someone and they're using the F word all the time, and they're talking about going and sleeping around and being in the bars and doing this and this and this, then you can judge that fruit. Something's missing. There's something not right. There's something not right about their life. And, and, and sometimes you have to point out that sin. But you can't judge the motive. Only God can judge that motive. That's why James says, who are you to judge your neighbor? The thing I think we have to get this morning, and let me get to the application of this. The thing we have to get is the difference between making judgments and being judgmental. I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. Making judgments is a biblical thing. Being judgmental is biblical sin all the time. What are, what are characteristics? How can we know? Well, let me just give you two words, and not going to be in your outline, but two words here to write down. Making judgments is called discernment. So if you want to look at these in two other words, discernment and criticism. Discernment is a good thing. If, 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 I, if I'm in a restaurant, I'll give you a great illustration of this because it was told to me. You know the pastor has said and has a twin brother. Um, and, and Dale's brother, until David was going through some of the stuff. You couldn't tell. The, I, I never could. I didn't know who was Dale and who was David until one of them started talking about church. And if they started talking about church, I knew it was Dale. If they started talking about wood carvings, I knew it was David. And, and David went to church. But, but, but Dale got accepted as a pastor of a church. And then he, he went to celebrate. Uh, well, he, he was accepted as pastor of the church. And his brother, David, went to Red Lobster somewhere and was celebrating his anniversary with his wife. Okay, identical twins. Old deacon from Dale's church who just voted him in saw David with another woman that wasn't with him on Sunday. <laughs> well, he, he got fired up. That's his pastor they just voted on, holding hands and looking all dreamy-eyed. And man, he is, he is mad as a hornet. He can't even eat his food. He leaves early and he, he confronts him and Dale starts laughing. He says, what are you laughing about? This is not funny. He says, I got a twin brother. 
He didn't believe it. Dale told me he had to call three or four people for them to confirm he's got a twin brother, looks just like him. So I could look at someone and see them eating with another woman and, and I can have discernment. I said, huh, that's not his wife or that's not her husband. But I can't judge and say they're having an affair. But I can't have discernment. And I can go over, I would do this. If I saw Keith eating with some woman that wasn't Dawn, I'd walk over and make sure Keith knew I saw him. Hey, Keith, it's good to see you, man. Who's this you're sitting with? I'd go out of my way to do that. But understand, discernment is, huh, that's odd. That's not Dawn. Judgment is, sorry, dog. Criticism is, he's having an affair. Do you see the difference? What you have to do with discernment is investigate a little bit to see the speck in someone's eye. And yes, with discernment, you see the speck, but you make sure the log's out of your own eye before you start talking to them about holiness. You're living in a holy life trying to help them. And sometimes we're just two beggars trying to find bread, but we're doing it. We're to make judgments based on Scripture, based on God's view of life. What we cannot be is critical. We cannot be users of criticism. That's judgmentalism. Discernment has a different place of birth than judgmentalism. Discernment is born from the Spirit. Discernment is born from the Word of God. Discernment is born from the heart of God. Judgmentalism is born from selfish ambition. Judgmentalism is born from envy and greed. Judgmentalism is born from thinking they didn't get what they deserved. So, I came up just praying judgmental, creed, I mean, critical and discernment. I said, how do I apply this? And I spent, literally, I spent hours thinking, how do I apply this? And then I thought, Google. So I went to Google. What's the difference between discernment, judgmental, judgment, and judgmentalism? Didn't help. Gave me a lot of definitions. Didn't help. And my son-in-law keeps telling me I need to start using AI. I thought, well, maybe I, no. I watch Terminator. I'm not turning my life over to computers. And so, so I don't, I don't just rest assured, I don't go. And, and Randy one time said, hey, give me a sermon topic. And, and AI wrote a better sermon than I could have preached on it, but I'm not going to do it. So I just kept praying and and asking the Holy Spirit. And he brought me to a passage that I wouldn't have thought about, but I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 15. The church spends most of our time with the prodigal son, with the younger brother. Starting in verse 11, a man had two sons. We spend all of our time with the brother who ran away and then came back. And we talk about him, but we don't spend a lot of time with the elder brother. But it's the elder brother I want to show you the difference between discernment and judgmentalism. Just as the father did with the younger brother, the father goes out. Look at verse 26. He, he called one of his servants. He heard the music. He said, what is all this going on? And, the, and verse 27, he says, your brother's come. The father's killed the fatted calf. He's received him back safe and sound. He's angry. The elder brother, he won't go into the party. So the father goes out to him just like he went out to the younger brother. And then look at what he says. Look, these many years I have served you. 
And I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. I want you to see judgmentalism, criticism. I want you to look at it. There's several points here. They're not in your outline. I'm sorry. They came to me after I'd already turned it in. First, the elder brother serves out of duty and not beauty. You've heard me say that many times. He says, these many years I have served you. And the word could be, I have slaved you. There's no joy in the service there. He, he didn't serve because he loved the Father. I know what that's like. I, I remember having to mow the yard because I had to mow the yard. And I know what it would be now to serve my Father because I get to serve him. There's a difference. There's love. And love was not in this. He, 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 he knew he knew that, that he, he was the elder brother. He knew he was responsible and he stayed, but he wasn't happy about it. I've served you. Everything we know about this father is he's good and he's kind and he's loving. And yet the elder brother said, I've slaved for you. But look at the second thing. Judgmental people serve out of duty and not beauty. Second, judgmental people overestimate their own goodness. They always do. They point out your sin, but overestimate their own goodness. Look what he says. I have never disobeyed your command. Really? Never? Never disobeyed? I got four daughters. If you ask them, they will all tell you that they're my favorite. They, they know it. They believe it. They believe that they're my favorite. I've got some that were easier to raise. Kim and I can tell you there were some that were easier to raise than others. But even the one that was the easiest to raise, and I won't tell you your name. She's married to Carson. She's nursing Nashville. I won't tell you your name. But she wasn't perfect. She didn't obey us without ever disobeying. He overlooked his own goodness. Third, judgmental people this is key. They have a low view of the Father. And I want you to see that the parable here, he's talking about the Father, his earthly Father, but the parable is about the heavenly Father. Look at what he said. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Is there anything in this parable that would make us think that this Father wouldn't give a goat? He gave a third of his wealth to his younger son. A third. He put himself at financial risk. He sold off land and goods so his son could have what he asked. Is there anything about here that would say that the father wouldn't give him a herd of goats? Surely he would give him a goat. He had a bad view of the father. You never even gave me a young goat. Fourth, we see in James, judgmental people forget about their relationships. But when this son of yours. Now, I know it's been a bad day when the girls were younger and Kim, I'd walk in and she'd say, daughter of yours. 
And every now and then, we, we finally figured out what KJ stands for. We thought it spent, stood for Kimberly Joy, but it really stands for, stands for Kimberly John because she's got both of our characteristics. And I told her that the other day. I said, you got your mom and me. And, and we go back. But, but Kim never meant by that, she's not my daughter. But look at him. He says, this, this son of yours, the son of yours, that's his brother. Do we ever forget that the people of God are our brothers and sisters? Do we ever forget that the ones we're talking about, we have the same Abba Father? They have a low view of their relationships. And finally, judgmental people forget their own sins, but man, they're good about keeping up with other people's sins. How did he know his son spent all, his brother spent all of those goods on prostitutes. I know it's a parable, but Jesus says he went away to a faraway country. How did he know that? He kept up with his brother through the rumor mill. That's judgmentalism. That's a perfect picture of the difference between discernment and criticism. But I've got to show you quickly, because we would, we would do violence to this if we don't look at the father's response. The father knew the son had sinned. He knew it when he ran out to meet him. I told you a couple of weeks ago, he ran to meet the son because in that culture, if the village would have gotten to the younger brother before he did, they would have shunned him forever. So he ran to meet the son to restore him into the family and to the village. He reminds us of their relationship. He says, son, you're always with me. Son, you're always with me. He reminds them of his generosity. All that is mine is yours. He also reminds them of the goodness of restoration. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. Why? For this your brother was dead. And he's alive. He was lost and he was found. The father knew the son's sin. But he forgave I wonder sometimes if the reason we're so critical and the reason we can be so judgmental toward other people is because deep down we really don't want them to experience the forgiveness we've experienced. Deep down they've hurt us and we don't want God to deal graciously with them. I want to challenge you today to understand that the father knew the son's sin, but he forgave him and restored.